You're listening to Young Honest Mother, the podcast. Here, we'll chat about all things marriage, motherhood, and modern home economics in all honesty. I'm your host, Maris Young. Thank you so much for being here today on the Young Honest Mother podcast, Janice. I'm super happy to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. So I, before we get into all the things, um, I'd love if you could start out by telling our listeners, who is Janice? Well, I am a writer and photographer. I have been a writer since I was seven years old. That's all I ever really wanted to do. And I fell into wow. journalism when I was in college. And then after that, working for um, the Dallas Morning News, I ended up having to pick up a camera. So that's when the photography came in. So I've always had some sort of um, online journal or blog. And so I'm, you know, in the motherhood realm, I'm kind of revamped how I blog and what I'm blogging about. So while I freelance, I do that as well and pretty much be a full-time mother. Mm. So how did it change for you? So you mentioned that um, you freelance write and and take pictures for various publications. What was that shift like um, once you became a mother and, and, you know, making sure that you're taking care of your child and then also tending to your professional duties? Well, I don't, you know, we only have what a little bit of time on here. So I'll have to figure out a way to shorten it for you. Um, I didn't really get into um, any kind of motherhood until my um, later thirties. I was a, as started being a mother as a, as a stepmom to my husband's two children. Um, okay. During that time, I became a business owner. Uh, I had a studio. And when Maya came along, I thought that I was going to be able to keep my studio up. You know, I had events and um, we had art openings and things like that. It was very small studio, but we did a lot of events. And so when Maya came, I thought that I was going to be able to continue to do that. And I was sadly mistaken. So I um, really had to close my doors and then decide what was I doing as a mother. So basically I'm a mother Mm -hmm. first before anything. So any freelance work that I get, I just have to figure out times to get it done. Um, when I get help from my father who watches Maya, um, or when my husband gets home or mm. sometimes takes a nap, I'm always trying to find little pockets of time to get work done. Right. It made it really difficult for me. I was working for a native American food company at the same time that I worked for for almost eight years and had to quit because it was just too much. <laughs> mm. So the transition was tough and I'm, I'm still trying to figure it all of it out even now. And Maya is, uh, well, she'll be 16 months this week. So it's, I don't even know if I've figured it out. It's very strange not having the studio anymore because it was something I had on my vision board since 2012. Mm. It came to fruition and I only did it for, for three years. So that made it tough. (laughs) Mm. 
So is it something that you would like to reopen again? And like, do you, are you still holding out hope that it will remain on your vision board or are you having to just completely adapt your vision board to fit, you know, what motherhood has brought to your life? So although it is something that I'm not doing in a brick and mortar um, situation right now, it is something that we're not giving up on. I spoke with my husband about it and he has uh, some ideas on how we could make it even more profitable than it was before. And just mm. not in a time, it's not time for it right now, but it is something that we are looking to do in the future. Now, how, how further down into the future, I have no idea, but it's not anything that I've given up on. It is still something that we collectively want to revisit down the road. So I think just in hearing a little bit of your story with, um, you know, opening a studio, which is something that you had dreamed of all along and then having to shut it down, I think it really exemplifies just how flexible we have to be with our vision, um, in life in general, but especially when motherhood is brought to the table. Um, and so I'm curious about, how or if it affected your sense of identity at all um, and, and holding so strong to this vision of you opening your own studio and, you know, having a place to really grow your business and then having um, to be faced with the decision to close it. What, what did that do for your sense of identity? Oh, it completely wrecked it. <laughs> yeah, it wrecked my identity completely because here I was on one hand, I was this completely different person because my brain chemistry, as we all know, scientifically, our brains change after having a child. So I was already like this completely different feeling person. And then you combine with the fact that these things that were very tangible and had been a part of my life from day in to day out, I was now going to end. I was like, okay, so not only do I feel like this different person, I'm the things that made me who I felt I was at the time, I'm now ending. What in the world am I going to do? Who am I? I mean, I went through the whole thing. Um, mm. And in full disclosure, because I haven't really talked about, maybe this is the forum to do it, but I haven't really talked about it um, in a public forum, is that everything that I was doing with the studio was very geared to sobriety. And I still, down the road with a, another envision of what the studio will be it will still be that uh theme but <laughs> here i was with this type of studio and after so much stress with a number of things not just ending the studio and having the baby i i absolutely needed a glass of wine i absolutely needed a margarita and so i was in this place of wow so here's my identity that i'm mm. not relating to anymore because i feel different Here's this studio that was so much a part of who I was that I'm closing. Here's this job that I had for almost eight years that I'm quitting and I'm getting a glass of wine. <laughs> so mm. like what happened <laughs> to Janice? And then at the same time, because I was struggling with infertility to have my daughter, I was really excited about where I was, but it's like trying to see the forest where the trees are back or saying or whatever, I was yeah. in this place of, okay, who am I? I'm Maya's mom. 
what is Maya's mom? Who is Maya's mom? Who am I doing? You know, who am I as Maya's mom and Janice? So it was crazy in the beginning. And I think I'm only just, um, I think a lot of forgiveness of myself. I think putting expectations on myself that I didn't need to put on myself just because I felt like Mm. I needed to have a persona. I think I let that go as well because Mm. I am different. So who I am now, I'm rebuilding who I am. And I think the hardest part of that now is do I care what other people think about what that looks like? Mm. Yeah. What's the answer? <laughs> I think I'm, I'm some days I'm like, I don't care. And some days I'm like, Oh my God, but I should, should be validating everything that, it, you know, making sure I'm being validated for everything that I do. And mm. I think I'm leaning more towards, I don't care. I'm 41 years old. I, I tripped over that because I'm like, what? I'm 41. <laughs> And I have a baby under two years old. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I'm like, I just decided that I can't care. And, you know, therapy helped me with that. I, I, you know, had to see a therapist after postpartum um, anxiety, postpartum, you know, paranoia and things like that. I, I mm. did see ther- a therapist. And so I actually talked to her about the whole thing with the studio and the theme. And I was like, well, but I have a margarita now. What is this? You know, do, right. I, do I need to validate myself with other people and think, is this okay? You know, no, this is my life and how I feel still doesn't affect other people because they are going to imprint what they think of you anyway. So mm-hmm. you may think that you're out in the world and being authentic and you think that people are going to be okay with you that way because, well, at least I'm being transparent and authentic. And while a lot of people do like that, there's several people who have decided that, you know, I don't really like who you are now. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. isn't who I like, you know, I, you know, you were available for these things. You were available for me in these ways. Um, You showed up to all of my things, you know, fill in the blank. And so you have to just say, well, this is me now. And whoever comes with me, I love them. Thank you. And whoever doesn't come with me. I love them. And thank you for being there at the time. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. here now. So it's a tough lesson, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the word that comes to mind is evolution. Absolutely. You know, and, and not, not um, expecting yourself to stay the same and have the same um, like ideals and expectations for yourself as you evolve into, you know, a new stage of life. Yes, absolutely. That's absolutely what this is. It is that. And it's the rawest I've ever felt Mm. (laughs) and the most vulnerable I've ever felt. And there's been times in my life that I thought, wow, this is really a raw moment for me. I feel so vulnerable. No, no, no. (laughs) So what about this? What about this moment feels most vulnerable then? What about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think that for me, like I said before, I've been writing since I was seven. That was very much m- me. And mm-hmm. I know what that is. I know that what it is to be a writer. Um, I have absolutely no idea what it is to be a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I can read whatever I can, you know, follow advice. I can, 
you know, mostly wing it is what I think a lot of parents do anyway. But I have never felt more vulnerable than I do right now because I don't know if I'm always being the right mother for my daughter. I can Mm. get notes from my husband that tell me that I'm doing fantastic and still be like, but am I doing this good enough? The fact that she's not in daycare, you know, there's all these women who have this guilt about their kids being in daycare. Well, I kind of have guilt that she's not because Mm. interacting all the time with other kids because I don't go to playdates every day. Mm -hmm. Um, There's guilt about not being in daycare. There's guilt that I'm, you know, not this mom who never curses around her kid that, you know, I do allow screen time because my daughter likes to do puzzles on her iPad and we watch Pee Wee Herman together, you know, (laughs) every moment is this the right thing? You know, it's very raw. And, And the thing is, even if, you know, you have your website and you have your Instagram too. Even mm-hmm. if we weren't documenting the way that we do, which does put us in a place of vulnerability because it's out in the open. It's a public account. It's a public, you know, place. Definitely. But it's like, you still feel that raw, even if you didn't have it out in the public, because people see you as a mother. They see you when you're with your child and your child's having a tantrum or your child is being adorable or whatever it is. You are exposed just like my skin is black. I'm not changing that. You can see I'm a black woman. <laughs> when you mm-hmm. speak out with my daughter, you are already, before even I speak to you, making assumptions, conclusions, and, and whatever about who I am as a mother. Because how I know is because I did that. Mm. Totally did that. <laughs> I can I remember like totally talking to this little boy who was having a tantrum in a, in a toy aisle and her and his uh, mother was in another aisle. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this poor woman. How can I help her? It must be really stressful to be this kid's mom and, and you know, all this stuff or like the kid that's screaming at the restaurant and throwing food and whatever yeah. it is. I remember being that other person who didn't have a kid and being like, wow, she really needs help or, oh, wow, why isn't she disciplining that kid? Or, oh, wow, that kid probably needs a spank. You know, whatever it was before I was a mom, I know I did that. Well, now I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And those same things are imprinted on me anytime I leave the house with her. You know, I worry because we're in an apartment complex that if she's screaming and having a tantrum, everybody can hear that, I bet. I know they can. Do they think that I'm torturing my child? You know, it's, Mm. oh, it's like the worst and also like the most amazing thing ever, but it is so vulnerable. And then, you know, also still rebuilding what my identity is around motherhood. Um, And that feels very raw and hard. (laughs) Yes, I can relate. Yes. (laughs) So something that came up for me when you were just speaking is, I'm curious about what kind of mother do you hope to be? Because you mentioned that, you know, when you're out in the world, you know, people see you and immediately they're thinking of, oh, she's this kind of mom. Oh, I can see her doing this. You know, you're kind of on display for the world. So I'm curious about whether or not you've thought about what kind of mom you want to be. And if so, like, what does that, what does she look like to you? You know, I, this whole gentle parenting movement, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm for it. And I'm also not sure if that's me. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'd love to be this super, um, slow talking, you know, 
very purposeful and, and conscious and, you know, Marie Kondo kind of way mom. That's a picture of someone that I know that I'm not. <laughs> I can take, it's just like with anything, I can take pieces of everything and make it work for me. So what I would hope to be as a mother is completely authentic, authentic with my daughter. And I want her to feel like she can be authentic with me. So whatever that looks like is however we get there. That's my main goal is that my daughter can feel that way. And that she can talk to me and feel like she can trust me. And feel like that she doesn't have to feel that she's going to be judged by me, that she can tell me anything she needs to and not Mm -hmm. hide and not feel like um, mom's not going to listen or she's going to judge me or she's going to be mad at me first and then keep secrets and things to herself because I've gone through this as a stepmother to an older teen. I don't want that for my daughter. And so even though my mothering is very nuanced, I do feel that I'm building that with my daughter that she can feel like she can come to me for anything and feel Mm -hmm. like that we can have an honest dialogue um, and not feel scared to talk. That's more important to me than anything. (laughs) Yeah. I like what you said about, you know, you, you have an end goal and, However you get there, you know, it may be in a way that you not you didn't necessarily have in mind, but you will figure it out as you go. And right. what feels right to you in that moment, you know, ultimately you're recognizing and and um really setting out to to get to a place where at the end of the day, you guys, you and your daughter can have this authentic, honest connection. Yes. And I think overall that's more important than whether more important than whether or not I used the S bomb in front of her <laughs> or, you know, whether or not I, I let her use her iPad this early. I mean, really, if I hadn't had an iPad, iPad as an option, I would have a lot less that I could have gotten done in a day. And it's not mm-hmm. the in front of it all day. It's really just these small po- pockets of time. But if that pocket of time allowed me to make a cup of coffee, then it's going to be worth it to both of us. <laughs> I'm doing that. So that to it, all of that stuff is just minutia to the end game because here's the thing. You can raise this phenomenal human And you can think that this phenomenal human is doing all these things that you think, you know, they are being honest with you about. But if they don't feel like they can talk to you, if they don't feel like they can be honest with you and share with you, it's a facade that they're putting in front of you. And you're you're, when something happens, you, you wake up, you're like, oh, my God, what happened? Where was I when this child was doing this, that and the other? It's unrealistic to think that your child's not going to get into things you don't want them to. But Mm -hmm. it's also just our job to try to be the kind of parents that make those kids feel like they can talk to us about anything so that we are ahead of the game. So we're not like sitting here like, how did this happen? When Mm. was it happening when my child felt this way? That's the hardest work to me out of the whole thing. Because the communication is going to be key to their growth, their health, their mental health, their safety, you know, communicating what safety is and and body autonomy and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Communication is really at the crux of it all. Yeah. Truly. And so as you are developing, you know, 
your idea of what motherhood looks like for you, how are you cultivating your new sense of identity as Janice? I'm not sure. I can't tell you because I think I'm still doing it. (laughs) Mm. I think that um, an example of one way that I changed when I closed the studio, I felt a lot of pressure to still keep the social media up, the Instagram Mm. and the Facebook and all of that. And I was starting to see like my numbers dropping because I was posting more mother type stuff. And um, I was posting less photos because I had a moment where I had a photo gig and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This isn't me right now. I don't want to do these particular pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want this particular type of gig anymore. And I had to really look at that and say, it's okay to step back from this. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I went to my old website blog. I posted you know, that I was kind of in this transition. And then what happened is I was like, okay, but I still want to communicate and I still want to be creative. I still want to write, um, but I'm in a different place. So I created Art is Life Motherhood as just a place for me to have some catharsis. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I've been working around that helps me feel like I'm still Janice, but I'm in this new place and sharing and writing and doing reviews and whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. It's helped me try to figure out where I am now as a creative and a mother. And even though it's a lot different than before, it's got its own feel that I'm trying to um, flush out. So I guess that's kind of where I'm starting. Um, I always was the person at my job that had to do the opening up. So both positions that I had before I became a full-time mom, um, I was the person that was like putting herself out there. Like, so when I was uh, single, I was doing this silly series, video series um, called The Eligible Editor. And it was like me just basically doing really goofy stuff to try to meet men. Okay. <laughs> and so I was always kind of put out there to kind of be like the try person. <laughs> let's have Janice try that. Okay, let's try this concept. And that always put me out there. And then I did a weight loss journey and a, and a lifestyle journey with another job I had. And that was very public and posted on their website. And so I always end up being really open and public about what I'm doing and transitions in my life. So it was like, okay, what am I doing now? This is part of what I thought my identity was. And then when I closed the doors, I said, okay, well, I have to do this, but in my way about where I'm at right now. And so that's Mm -hmm. why I created a whole other website with a whole other concept around it because it's just what I'm used to doing. Um, sharing my story and, and being creative online is just something that I've always done. So I don't know if that's the best way because it just kind of like having your um, issues for everybody to see. Some people think that's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, we're in a generation where reality TV is like one of those, you know, most watched things, unfortunately. Um, So there must be some sort of like 
I don't know, some sort of um, addiction that we have to wanting to see people's lives. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just look at Instagram and Instagram stories has become a way that people can communicate like in the moment, real life, here's what's going on stuff. And like you just mentioned that you want to be present on social media and also on your website and being very authentic with who you are. How has social media influenced you in that pursuit? So I think it's kind of what you just mentioned, um, seeing other people doing that. And I'm not a person that's like, okay, well, they're doing it. I've got to do it too. And I'm unfortunately the kind of person that, or fortunately, I don't know, however you want to see it, um, that when I already have in my mind that I want to do that, and I see other people doing that in a way that seems like it's beneficial, not only to the person, but um, their audience then I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I want to do that too, because that's already what I feel like I need to be doing for myself. Mm. And um, just to go back to the studio, I used to get emails every week about what we were doing at the studio. And it, believe me, it was a very small scale spot. But I would get like these emails of people who, you know, were feeling um, down about themselves or they were going through really strong addiction issues and they wanted to express themselves. And I just felt like I was doing good work. I've seen mm. some of those same people just really grow since then. Ironically, it's not a thing where you're, you know, necessarily have those people come back and, and tell you, thank you for that. I mean, it's a thankless job sometimes to help people. <laughs> mm. um, but it, it's something that I was doing. And so because I don't have the space anymore, I'm like, well, how am I doing it? How am I showing that now? And because I went through so much different stuff during postpartum and just um, my relationship with my family after having Maya, um, I felt like sharing my story, like who out there is going through this too? And maybe they just don't want to admit it. Mm. And maybe I never hear from them. Maybe they never reach out to me like people have in the past with other things I've done and said, I really like that you shared that because I feel that way too. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're out there, but I know they have to be because I'm one of them. You know, I, mm -hmm. I didn't read anything like my story. Nobody had anything out there like my story because the way that my life went down after having my child and my decisions that I made, um, some people wouldn't think there's something I should talk about. <laughs> mm. And I did. I totally did. And I feel like there's people out there that have to be going through those same things because I've seen the groups on Facebook where they're secret groups because of the fact that nobody wants to really be present Ooh, exposing yeah. how they feel as a, as a blended family. And, um, you know, I, I think that they're out there. They just don't want to be present and I get it. <laughs> so I'm hoping that I'm helping other people feel like they're not alone. Right. In their struggles, if that, if any of that made sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it totally does. That is precisely why I wanted to start my website and my podcast because I felt similarly, like obviously each of us have a very individual storyline um, with very specific events and, and choices and things that we make that are specific to who we are and the people around us. But even with all that specificity, there is still so much we have in common as women, as mothers, and the feelings that can arise during these moments of hardship and and struggle and just, just like 
what is going on here can be so similar to someone who whose story might not look like yours on the surface, but still they they can find a way to relate somehow to what you're going through. Um, and just having that like sense of connection and community, I think is so important to, to uplift one another. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, okay. So you alluded to something, um, just a moment ago, just saying like, you didn't feel like your story was out there. Like you, you never came across anything that was quite like yours. And, um, I'm curious to see, first of all, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like what, what about your story did you feel was so, um, important to share and, and how have you started doing that? Um, Yeah, this is where it's going to be like potentially controversial <laughs> okay. um, because I'm not Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, it's great that she has the red table. I watch. It's great that it all worked out for her. I know that they have had their struggles. Um, I was in a situation as, you know, in my late 30s dating my husband, um, whom I've known for my whole life. Um, he has two kiddos. A, a, a boy and a girl. Um, at the time that I was, uh, in the relationship, they were nine and 12 and, um, I only had them every other weekend. That was basically, we, we had them every other weekend. So we did get to a point where full custody needed to happen and we did get full custody and I'm glad it needed to happen. It was the best thing that ever could have happened. Um, but as years go on and as, you know, hormones and, and life. And, Mm -hmm. um, it became hard for different reasons. Um, our parenting styles for the two kids, um, were very different. I know that our parenting style of Maya is still different, but it's different in the sense now that he's older, I'm older. Um, and also Maya's our child instead of a situation that I came late on. Um, those things were difficult. And then when you have uh, a child that's getting, you know, all those hormones and all those things that happen and all, you know, fill in the blank, um, happening around you and you, for one, when I say you, me, (laughs) I was an only child. I didn't have any brothers and sisters. I did not grow up in a big family. Um, I was pretty much a kid that didn't get into trouble. There was just things I just didn't do that a lot of the kids these days do. Maybe the kids did back then. I don't do them. I didn't do them. Um, I couldn't relate to, basically, I couldn't relate to my oldest. Um, Mm -hmm. I was always trying to be available for her. I always wanted to, I wanted her to feel like she could come to me. And in some way she did, but then she, things just kind of went away. Um, I got pregnant. And um, the struggle of infertility has its own stuff around it, but we conceived naturally. By the time I had Maya, um, the pinnacle of teenage stuff got to a point where I did not want to be a part of any of that anymore. And I wanted my child not around it either. And I um, needed to heal myself in postpartum. And I needed a lot of help from my family because... um, I was exhausted. Yeah. Um, 
My husband works six days a week. He provides very well for us, but it comes at a price. Um, I needed more help than I than I was receiving. My parents were seeing me, you know, up to three times a week, some weeks, because I just was not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, through breastfeeding and that not working out completely. I mean, it was a lot of stuff. So I actually left. Um, I left my husband and left the kids. Um, I took me and my baby and we moved in with my parents and that's where we were for a year. Um, my husband and I did not divorce. We were not separated. We were living apart together. It is an absolute thing, by the way, it happens. I've read about it. Um, it's, fairly popular overseas. It's uh, somewhat popular in New York. Um, It happens. Um, In our case, I wasn't totally sure if I wanted a divorce. I think that a lot of of pressure um, on my part of knowing the right thing to do and also loving my husband very much and caring for his children. I didn't know what the right decision was. I, as the, as the months went on, um, I didn't know what I needed to do. And the best solution that I could have ever done was what I did was leave. Mm. So in the middle of deciding what this was going to look like, I would never ever trade my decision for anything because I think it was the best thing for my daughters. The best thing for me It was not easy living with my parents, but they were very, very helpful. And, and I don't think I would have survived that first year without so much help from them. Mm. Um, and so we've recently all moved back in together. My, my oldest is living um, away from us. She is living on her own. She's doing really well working for a, a fast food company. She's a manager. She works a lot of hours. I'm proud of her. Um, she's graduated from high school. Wow. And um, from, from what I can tell, she's doing really good. Um, the middle child lives with us along with, you know, my baby. And so we're in a new place as of the last couple of weeks together for the first time in almost a year. And so (laughs) it's a weird feeling because, you know, a lot of people judged me for what my decision was um, because of the fact that I did sign on to be a stepmother. And yes, I did. (laughs) Um, But I think I had to, um, I had to have a boundary for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, for my health and um, stress level and for my baby. Yeah. I need to be a, a better mother to my child. And I don't think that I would have been able to do that. Um, also swimming through the waters of what we were um, doing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm obviously carefully pinning my words because I would never, ever um, throw any of the people I care about under the bus. And so <laughs> I'm just trying to word it perfectly. <laughs> I completely understand. And thank you so much for sharing that story um, with me and with the listeners. Um, I think it's really important to, like you've already mentioned, and what I want to underscore again, is just to be honest about the things that are happening to us because everyone is going through something. You just might not know it on the surface, you know? And someone could be going through something like a similar situation as what you went through. And maybe they're out there looking for other examples of how someone else was able to, to come through the other side. And I think it's, it's really special when we can own our stories and step up and share them. Um, 
not um, because we're not afraid to share them. I think even in sharing my own story, there's still some fear that like I won't be accepted or people won't understand the the way that I felt or the decisions that I've made. But in mm-hmm. in deciding to move beyond the fear and be authentic anyways, there's so much power in that. So thank you again for sharing. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's still, as you can tell, it's really hard to talk about. I mean, I'm better at writing about it. I have written about it on my blog. Um, anything I've ever written, I always share with my husband first. Mm-hmm. And that's important too. You can't just keep living. Um, that's one thing I definitely want to reiterate. You can't just keep going into your authenticity, authenticity and being transparent, but then you don't want to hurt the people around you. So when you do decide to be in that position, I mean, you have to decide um, what does this look like to the people involved? And for me, um, I still can be just as authentic, but word it in a way that is not, um, because you can be authentic without um, being ugly. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's a good point. Yeah, so I, um, if I write anything about what we went through, um, I always show it to my husband first. And I think that's very important in a partnership. Um, I also believe that my husband always thinks that I'm the one that always has too much thinking. And that's mm-hmm. true. I do think too much. <laughs> I do think a lot. And um, my husband's the one that's just really easy going about stuff. But that's kind of why we kind of have our conflicts. Um mm-hmm. And another reason why I do show what I write to him first. Right. That I would make sure that I'm doing it in a way that's helpful um, and well-written as opposed to just ranting or um, coming from a place of of, uh, upset. Right. Yeah. So what's the most important thing that you've learned about yourself throughout all of this? Um... I don't know. I, I think that I, I am very aware that I'm still a work in, pro- in progress. And people say that all the time. I know, but in my case, I just feel like I, I am not just a work in progress. I feel like I'm just this completely new being that's trying to figure out what that is looking like um, mm-hmm. on a day to day. And I think things like Instagram and blogging and all of that stuff um, are ways to fumble through it with people who maybe can relate. Um, But I also don't want to get into a place where I'm looking at these little square boxes and saying, this person has it figured out. Even Mm -hmm. when they talk about how authentic they are, and this, that, and the other, they've got it way more figured out than me. I mean, the, the, a person that comes to mind is, is someone like Jenna Kutcher, who mm-hmm. you introduced me to her, and she's mm-hmm. amazing. But it is hard not to look at her Instagram and be like, oh, my gosh, I know that she's having a tough day today, but oh, my God, her life, right? You know, got to not get in a place of comparison, because we also just don't know what people's lives really look like, even though they're being super authentic on um, Facebook or Instagram, you don't know all of the ins and outs of their life. So 
I think what I've had to really swallow is um, just because I feel like I can be filled in so many ways. Um, I'm human, just like all the rest of these other people who I feel like have it figured out better than me. Mm. And I, I need to get out of that place of it's not even comparison for the sake of um, the sense of, oh, um, I'm jealous or anything like that. It's more like a place of, oh, my gosh, how can I do better? <laughs> how can mm. I be better? Um, and I just I, I think that it's unrealistic to model anything that you do after anyone else because you're still you're still who you are and they are who they are. And so mm. that's kind of like this lesson that you should already have gotten when you were a kid. <laughs> but it's still a lesson we still go through. And then when you're reborn in a new identity or a new place, it is like you're a kid again and you're learning that lesson all yeah. over again. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I was like, I'm still, I'd be totally lying if I got on, on your show and just like, told you I figured out who I am completely and what this looks like. And I'm just not there yet. And really, to be honest with you, mine is going to dictate a portion of what that looks like. Mm. What do you um, mean by that? What was that? What do you mean by that? Well, <laughs> I consider myself not to be a very patient person. Um, I can pretend to be patient. But I'm not very patient. I've never really been a person who likes to wait for anything for um, the fact that I just feel like, well, I could die tomorrow. So why do I need to wait? Or this needs to be done right now because if it's not done now, it won't get done at all. And then something could happen. You know, I'm not super patient, but having Maya, I have to learn what patience really is. So by the end of her, you know, second year, you know, she may have taught me how to be 20 times more patient than I would have been had I not had her. Ooh, that's a good point. You know, and it's already happening. I, I still feel very impatient with her. But then I have these moments where I'm like, oh, wait a minute, Janice, even though, and I mean, I'm going to say this, every parent probably says this, my kid is so smart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. She is so smart. So I have to step back and say, even though your kid is doing this at one year old, one year old, she is still one. She may be 15, 16 months, but technically she's still a one-year-old and she's still trying to figure herself out. And by the way, Janice, you're trying to figure yourself out and you're 41. So get a grip. So so that's what I mean by she's dictating it a little by little, day by day, who this person I am is going to be. That's an interesting way to think about it. That's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. Whatever that ends up being. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. I think that's all we have time for today. Um, But where can people find you and stay in touch with your work? Well, Art is Life Motherhood is the Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> com is my website. And um, that whole name is all wrapped around when I started the studio. It was called Artist Life Studio. And that's because I do consider everything that we do to be art. So in a sense, we are all artists. And I'm telling you, motherhood is like the biggest art of all. Mm. <laughs> so Totally agree with that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me today. And thank you for having me. 
And that's it for this episode of Young Honest Mother, the podcast, which means it's time for you to join the conversation. Share your thoughts on social media and tag me at Young Honest Mother. And then pass this episode along to friends and family who need to know that they're not alone on this journey either. Until next time, I'm your host, Maurice Young.